The following is a Thunderbolt West Media production. Today I'm going to talk about being self-sufficient and more. You are listening to the Living Off-Grid Power and Information Show with Jim Calhoun. The storm was coming, the sky was on fire, fear was in their eyes. It's my opinion that we should be prepared to lean on our faith and be able to step out on the sea. Thanks for tuning in to the Living Off-Grid Power and Information Show. I'm your host, Jim Calhoun. This show features off-grid topics such as creating your own power, gardening, homesteading, and other issues related to off-grid living. I also seek to educate my listeners about survival and prepping, and I'll talk about anything from government corruption to chemtrails. Also, I feel that our constitutional republic is worth saving. So I never miss an opportunity to do my part in helping to save our republic. I have two main goals for this show. Number one, to help you build your faith in God. And number two, to help each listener become as self-sufficient as possible. This show originates at the Harmony Barn Studios, located near Hershey, Nebraska, in the United States of America. The Living Off-Grid Power and Information Show airs on global shortwave stations WBCQ, Monticello, Maine, at frequency 7.490, and also on WRMI, Radio Miami International, on frequency 5850. And you can tune in to Key Radio, 89.3 FM in Osage Beach, Missouri. And this show is also available on demand on Spreaker, Anchor, Podpoint, Podpage, and Red Circle. My email address is jim at offgridliving.faith and be sure to visit my website, which is offgridliving.faith. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. I really appreciate it. And today I'm going to be talking about being self-sufficient. And I'm also going to touch on several other subjects like I normally do. I know that one of the goals that I have for the show is to help each listener become as self-sufficient as possible. And while I do give tips and also information about that, I haven't been focusing on it near as much as I should. And of course, the reason that I say that is our uncertain world. I don't care if you're talking politically or socially or just however you want to look at it. Our world is a mess right now. And I really do believe that if you're not self-sufficient, you're going to have an awful lot of issues come up that you're not going to be able to know what to do. And I'm going to give you some examples of being self-sufficient. And of course, I'm going to use myself because that's what I know best is my daily experience. But I do want to say right now that I don't expect everyone to have the type of skill set that I have as far as surviving because 
I tell people I can almost overhaul an engine with a spoon. Now I know I can't quite do that, but but you'd be amazed at how I'm able to adapt and overcome even some of the most critical circumstances. And that's what I'm going to talk about is adapting and overcoming and getting your headspace right. Because if we have this attitude that we're going to wait for someone else to do it, well, it's not going to get done. I really do believe that we're entering a time period where we're going to have to turn into our grandparents. I know I've said that before, but maybe even possibly our great-grandparents. We're going to have to be as self-sufficient as they were. And one place to start is don't eat out as often. The cost of going out is enormous. It may taste good, it may be convenient, but you're paying a premium for those two things. I think it's a much better plan for you to learn how to cook and learn how to can and to be self-sufficient. And honestly, the last few times I've eaten out, I've learned to cook to the point where I can cook better than any restaurant around here. And so why would I go out and spend 20 bucks for a meal that I could cook myself that will taste better and be better for me for $5? Why would I do that? That's one of the things I want to talk about is being thrifty and being self-sufficient with your money. And the old saying that a penny saved is a penny earned, I think that really applies today. I think that we're going to have to save all the money that we possibly can. Now, there might come a time where they say our money's devalued and it's worthless, but still it will have some value, whereas if you have no money, of course, you have no value whatsoever. And I don't hand over my money very easily. I'll give you an example. I work really hard for every dollar I make. I don't make a lot of money. I'll just be right up front. I don't make a lot of money. And so I really have to watch myself. And I can't just go on a spending spree because I don't have the money. And I'm not going to hand over my money for goods or services that I feel that I'm being cheated or I'm being disrespected. I work way too hard for each dollar I make just to hand it to somebody. I had a tire that developed a slow leak. And it turned out that the tire was no good. It was ruined. But I didn't know that. And I went to a brand new place that just opened up in town, and I thought, well, I'll give them a try. Well, I pulled up to the bay, and here they had three employees. Two of them were telling jokes, and one was texting or doing something on a smartphone. I stood there for three minutes after these guys saw me, but they had to finish their smartphone episode and had to finish their joke. Then they come over and said, can we help you? Well, by that time, I almost said no. But I said, well, I'd like to get in line to get a tire repaired. They said, well, go up to the office and they'll line you up. And I walked into the office, and the office girl said, oh, the guys back there are just way too busy. It'll be at least two hours before we can get to you. And so I told her, well, I'm going to go somewhere else then. And I did. Now, why wouldn't I wait for two hours? Well, because the guys out back were doing nothing but telling jokes and looking at a cell phone. They weren't working hard. If they were working hard, they probably could have took care of me within an hour or half an hour anyway. And I do realize people have to take breaks and so forth, but 
Seems like these guys were on constant break, that's what it looked like to me. And I thought to myself, well, the money that was invested to build the building and to get the inventory and to hire the employees, and it would probably do the owner of this business a favor if I gave him a phone call and told him about their employees that were, were more interested in jokes and cell phones than they were actually working. But I thought, wow, I'm glad it's not my money invested in this business. And I had to drive all the way across town, which the town's not that big, but it does take a little effort to get across town. And I got there right at noon, and I thought, oh boy, now I am going to have to wait. I walked in, and the owner was behind the catch register, and I told him what I needed, and he said, well, you're next in line. He said, I'm going to get you in as soon as I can. And within five minutes... He walked up to me and said, okay, we can fit you in. We got a little space for you to back your car in and I'll get someone on your tire. And right there, I knew that there was a huge difference between business A and business B. Well, they found that my tire was ruined, but they didn't tell me, which I thought was kind of odd. The owner came back and said, well, your car's finished. It's ready to go. He said, we had to throw away your tire. But we had a used one in back that was about the same shape, only it was a lot newer, didn't have the cracking in it, and it'll last you quite a while. He said, I'm not going to charge you for the tire, and he said, I'm not going to charge you full price for the mounting. Full price was 25 and he gave me the tire and did the mounting for 20 So I saved $5, got a better tire that he gave me for free, which I'm not sure why he did that, but I just think that's God watching out for me. But I did tell the business owner that I will be back and that will be my tire place from now on because they earn my business. Now you have to understand that they're in business to get my money. Both businesses are. The first business wanted my money but didn't care about service. The second business I went to understood service and also understands building customer loyalty. So I will be back to the second store I went to for every tire that I buy or have to get repaired because they earn my business. That's what I mean by giving your money to people that have earned it. Don't just go out and spend money with people that don't earn your business. We're living in such a time that we have to really rally around those who understand service and understand the value of a dollar. The first business didn't care. The second business did. And that's one way to be self-sufficient is to actually pay attention to what's going on as far as who is serving you and how the service is and reward those that do excellent work and avoid the ones that don't care. Simple as that. Now I'm going to give you an example of being self-sufficient that I would love for each and every one of you to get to this point. Do I think you will? Maybe a few will, but doubtful that multitudes of people will get this self-sufficient. But it would just make me leap for joy if my listeners became this self-sufficient. I had to move a hay rake 26 miles. And I don't know exactly what happened. But I got halfway home and I noticed something was not right. So I stopped and pulled over. And part of my rake had fallen off. And the rake is powered from the motions of its wheels moving. 
so it's wheel driven. And the drive shaft from my axle up to my gearbox was 100% missing. It was just gone. So I quick turned around and headed the rake back the way I came, knowing that nobody is going to want to pick something like that up unless it's a road hazard, because it's a very specialized part. I retraced back to the point where I knew that I remember seeing that part on the rake. Of course, I didn't find it. It must have fallen in the middle of the road, and some good Samaritan decided to pick it up because it was a road hazard. And I understand that, and I'm glad they did. But I wish they would have put it on the side of the road or or put it in the fence line or something to where I could have seen it. But instead, they must have just threw it in their vehicle and went on their merry way. So I get home, and I have hater rake the next day. And I have an antique rake made in the 1950s. And it's a Massey Harris, and they haven't made Massey Harris for years. There is a Massey Ferguson company, but they don't carry any parts for Massey Harris products, especially that old. And it's the only Massey Harris rake that I've seen in my lifetime that's like mine. And I've been to lots of tractor salvage yards and that kind of thing, and you would think I would have seen another one somewhere up and down the line, but I haven't. And so I knew I had a very unique rake with a very unique part that's gone. Most people would say, oh no, the rake is ruined. Or they would have went online and tried to find parts, and I don't think they'd find them. Or they would hire somebody to try to build the part, which would cost them at least three or $400, probably closer to six or 700 But I had hater rake. And most people would say, well, that's impossible. You're not going to be able to use that rake. Well, to me, impossible just means several more hours of work. It doesn't mean to give up. It doesn't mean that it's not going to work. And so I went out into my machinery yard where I have some old machines. And I found a U-joint cluster that was similar. It's a different size, but it was similar. So what I did was I took it off. And I had to modify it. I had to do quite a bit of welding. And I don't have a welder. Keep that in mind. I had to do an awful lot of welding and cutting and modifying. And then I had to modify the shaft on the rake because the inside diameter of the piece that I was modifying was an inch and a sixteenth. And the rake shaft is an inch and an eighth. And I thought, well, that's close enough that it's not going to hurt the rake any to shave off a little off that shaft, and so this other part will fit it. And I timed myself how fast it took me to fabricate this part. And of course, I didn't have a pattern, and I didn't have any measurements, and so I just had to guess. And keep in mind, I don't have a welder, and I had to weld. I had that rake going in four hours, and it cost me six welding rods. That's it. I went to my metal pile and got my metal, and I went to my machinery yard and took a part off of an old machine that I'm junking out. And in four hours, I was raking hay, and I raked that field, and I moved that rake again to another field. I'm going to rake hay again tomorrow, and it worked just fine. That's what I mean by being self-sufficient. I didn't whine or cry. I didn't try to get online and try to find some part that would take me at least three or four days to find, and then take it a week to get here. 
and then I'd have to hope it was right. Or I didn't take the rake in and pay more than the rake is worth just to have a shaft built. And you might say, well, how did I weld everything together without a welder? Well, I use my solar battery bank to weld with. It's called positive ground welding. And I have two regular welding leads that go out to my area where I like to weld, but that's outside and we've been having lots of rain, so I welded inside. And I actually used a pair of jumper cables. They're heavy duty, but just a regular pair of jumper cables. And twice I had to wait for about 15 minutes for the sunlight to build the battery bank back up to where I could weld again. But I'm getting pretty good at welding without a welder. And so I fabricated this piece from scratch in four hours and was raking. I would love it for all of my listeners, no matter what problems they have, whether it be with their job or their family or their vehicle or their house, what have you, that they could just roll up their sleeves and just do what it takes to get the job done. Another thing that happened today is I had to put together the chain on my motorized bike and nobody around here sells that kind of chain, and I broke the removable link that holds the chain together, and it broke in half, and it snapped one of the posts off it. And I don't know what size the chain is, and nobody that I went to, I went to bicycle shops and motorcycle shops, and they didn't know what size it was. And so I didn't know what to look up, so I decided, well, I will just go ahead and do it the old-fashioned way, I had a couple of links left over when I put the chain on originally. I had to take three links out. So I'll just take a link in and basically assemble the chain to where I don't have a removable link. All the links would be the same. Well, I got it all together and was happy that I got it together because I had to do it in the open air, and that's hard to do. It's hard to put those together while you're trying to squeeze it with pliers and then tap it with the other hand. And I was so proud of myself when I got it done until I looked down and saw that I wasn't paying attention to where the chain was. And I actually had one part of the chain on the outside of the bike, on the outside of the frame, and the other part of the chain was where it was supposed to be on the inside of the frame. In other words, it wouldn't work. Now I have to break the chain in half and so I can move it over to where it needs to be. And I don't have the correct little tool that knocks that center pin out. They sell these tools that are really nice and they work really fast and they're really good and I'm going to buy one because I could have used it. Well, putting them together in the open air is one thing, but taking them apart is yet another. I ended up smashing my thumbnail and had blood going everywhere and, and it still hurts. And it took me two and a half hours to get that little pin to move just a fraction and so I could take that link apart. And I had to invent a way to get that pin to be knocked out of there. And it took me two hours just to figure out how I was going to do it. Because everything I tried, I failed. And once I came up with the idea, it actually took 15 minutes after I came up with an idea that actually worked. And so that's another thing you have to have is tenacity. You have to stick with whatever project you're on and just gut it out and learn from your mistakes. Find out what works and what doesn't work. 
every time that you have to fabricate or be self-sufficient, you're on a learning curve. And so use it as basically the school of hard knocks. Use that knowledge. And believe me, as you learn how to think outside the box, that will help you on everything that you come up against. And so think outside the box. Be tenacious. Never give up. Never surrender. You might have to walk away and take a break. You might have to just come back the next day. But I really believe if you build your willpower and build your patience and build your skill set, you'll be surprising yourself of the things you can overcome. And you might be wondering, why am I talking about this today? Well, I think there's an awful lot we're going to have to overcome. And I'm really not sure what's happening. It seems that one day we're about to go to war, and the next day it seems like we're all being played. And I really do believe that the politicians worldwide, they all seem to walk in lockstep. They all seem to be part of that World Economic Forum or connected with Soros or Klaus Schwab or one of those elites that I think are just totally evil. Who knows how much of this is theater and how much of it isn't. But I do know that they're working on artificial intelligence to get rid of your job and my job. And I'm totally against artificial intelligence, by the way. Oh, you're anti-science. Well, yes, I'm anti-bad science. I'm anti-evil science. Science should always be used towards the betterment of mankind. And you might say, well, artificial intelligence is going to help an awful lot of people that have mobility issues and an awful lot of people that have issues with their health and maybe they're handicapped and, and artificial intelligence is really going to be a help. And to that, I'm going to say yes. I think that artificial intelligence used correctly could really be a wonderful thing. But do you really think this corrupt bunch of scientists we have and corrupt politicians, do you think they're going to use it for the betterment of you and me? Or are they going to use it to put money in their pocket? It's kind of like back many years ago in Scotland. If you're wondering why all the people emigrated out of Scotland at the time they did, well, Scotland was a country of sharecroppers. And all of a sudden, sheep were introduced into Scotland, and the landlords decided to run sheep on their ground instead of having someone sharecrop it. And so the landlords went to all of the families that were living on their land that were sharecropping and said, Get out! They were replaced with sheep. And so thousands migrated all over the world from Scotland because they had no home. They had no job. They had nothing, they had nothing in Scotland. Everything they knew in their life was taken away from them. And they were replaced with sheep. That same thing is going to happen when everyone is replaced with artificial intelligence. People are not going to be able to get a job. They're not going to know what to do, where to go. And that's another reason you need to be self-sufficient. And so I see something coming down the pike. It might be one year, it might be 10 years, it might be 15, but I doubt if it's more than 10 years that we're going to see everything automated. And then all of the jobs that everyone used to get are going to be jobs that don't exist. Just like the people that made harness. There were giant companies that made harness for horses. Big companies that employed hundreds of people. 
And when the automobile came in, a lot of people still made harness for the farmers and the people that still had horses as their main transportation. But by 1920, there wasn't any large harness makers left. There were a few still hanging on, but they weren't very big because they weren't selling enough harness to be big. That job was just phased out. Another job that was phased out that's more modern is there used to be people that would hire themselves out to answer phones, be phone answering services. And while there still are some phone answering services out there, they're obsolete because people have voicemail. And so nobody hires someone to answer the phone. If they have a message they want to give to anyone that calls, they just put it on their recording when someone calls their phone. So don't think that your job is necessarily going to be safe from artificial intelligence. And then we have the economies that who knows what's going to happen. The world events that who knows what's going to happen. But I really believe there's going to be more bad happen than good. I really hate to say that. I wish that that weren't the case. But I think the people that are overseeing the world right now, I don't know if it's just evil or greed or both, but I don't think there's going to be too many people looking out for us. That's why it was so refreshing when I went to get the tire fixed at the second place that the owner of that shop was looking out for me. That's very rare. He took it upon himself to help me out. He didn't come ask me what I wanted to do. He knew that the tire that I brought in was unsafe. I didn't realize it was unsafe until they were taking it off, and I saw a couple cracks in it that didn't look very good to me. But that's really rare, and we need to cherish people that are willing to look out for their fellow human. Look out for all of us. Now, if you're hearing some more noise than you normally do on my show, well, I don't have air conditioning, and so I have to have the windows open in my house, and there's a storm hitting right now, and we got winds about 65 or 70 miles an hour that are whipping the trees around outside my window, and I hear a lot of branches cracking out there, so you might hear some wind noise or some branches cracking or thunder. But rain is good, even though we've had plenty this year. I'm not ever going to cuss the rain because... The last several years, we haven't had enough, so I'm just glad that I got everything done. I wanted to get done outside before it hit. Well, I hope I'm getting my point across about being self-sufficient on everything that you do. Because if you're not self-sufficient, you might be dead in the water in a project or in your job or taking care of yourself or your family. And I really don't want you to be in that kind of situation that you're just stranded and you're hopeless and helpless. That's where I'm trying to get you away from, is situations like that. I've recommended in the past, I'm going to recommend again, get as many how-to books as you can, physical books that will be in your library that you can get your hands on. Get repair manuals for anything you have that you could possibly repair. Of course, if it's all computerized and electronic, unless you're in that business, then that's not going to do you much good because there's a skill set you really have to know when it comes to computerized parts and machines as opposed to just mechanical. But that's one reason that almost everything I own is mechanical. Like my rake is wheel-driven. 
instead of being driven off a shaft on the tractor or some other means. I keep everything as simple as possible so I can fix it. I know there's lots of people that don't like to change their own oil, they don't like to get their hands dirty, but I think you need to change that mindset. I think everyone needs to grow. As this world gets weirder and weirder, we need to get smarter and train ourselves up. We need to improve ourselves and improve our situation as the world deteriorates. We do have it in ourselves to take ourselves into a positive direction. Even if the world is going in a totally wrong direction, our personal lives and our personal experiences can be headed towards the right direction. And if you don't think that you're capable of doing things, well, give yourself some credit and cut yourself some slack and try a dose of self-respect. I would imagine that you can do a whole lot more than you think you can do. I imagine that you can solve more problems than you possibly could imagine. All you have to do is take the time and really think things over and use your best judgment. You'll normally be right. And in the times that you're wrong, we'll simply switch gears, go the other way, and do something different. As like the old saying goes, there's more than one way to skin a cat. And if you try and don't succeed, well just keep on trying until you do succeed. Just don't do the same thing over and over and over. Come up with different ways. Modify how you're thinking, modify your thoughts and your actions, and then eventually you'll get things done like you want them to be done. And on the second half of the program, I'm going to be talking about survival, and I'm going to be talking about some more things that you can do to be self-sufficient. I really appreciate you tuning in today, and I'll be back after this. Welcome back to the second half of the Living Off-Grid Power and Information Show. This is your host, Jim Calhoun. And we weathered the storm as I record the second part of this show. We have no wind at all. Not a leaf is moving. And what's left of the day, the sun is shining bright. But right as I was signing off on the first half of the show, we had a hailstorm that lasted for about 10 minutes and the ground was literally white, and the hail got to be marble-sized, and I couldn't even see trees that were about 30 yards away from my window. It was just white. It looked like a blizzard. And I have some corn that I planted that's open-pollinated, and I planted it to save the seeds. And I was thinking, oh boy, there goes my corn, because it's all tasseled right now, and it's just in the silk stage. And it didn't do the corn any good, but I went and looked at it. And it's all standing, and all the leaves are there. Some of the tassels are drooping pretty good, but it took a pounding for several minutes. As a matter of fact, all the trees look a little bit lighter in the leaf, so to speak. And all the weeds and grass and things on the ground are definitely pushed downward. So we had quite a storm. And also a torrential rain. I imagine we got about an inch of rain in that 15 minutes. All I can say is I'm glad I wasn't out on the tractor. Usually when those storms pop up, I'm on a tractor and I'm too far away from the house to get home without getting drenched because I don't have a cab on anything, so I'm just out in the open air. 
But anyway, looks like everything survived. I hope my corn still does well. That's another thing that I'm doing as far as being self-sufficient, is I'm getting my own seed bank, kind of like my own Noah's Ark, so to speak, for seeds. I know lots of people are doing that, but I think lots of people need to do that. That goes for garden vegetables and flowers and anything that you enjoy to grow or enjoy to eat. You need to save the seeds. And if you don't know how, learn how. It's not that hard. Now, my method for saving seeds is I keep things as natural as possible. When it comes to corn, I simply tie my corn ears up and I tie them and I let them hang. But I keep them where mice or bugs or anything can't get to them. And also, I don't bring them in. I hang them in an outbuilding that will freeze and do everything that nature will do to a seed. I let it happen to my seeds. But I keep them clean and dry. But when it comes to saving seeds, like inside apples or pumpkin or squash, anything like that, well, it's good to get them out and separate them and don't wash them completely, but it's good to rinse them down just a little bit just to get some of the extra goo off of them. But you don't want to wash them clean. You just want to take that excess off. You want to leave that film on them and then separate them really good and let them dry naturally in the open air. And again, keep animals and insects away from your seeds. Saving tomato seeds can be tricky, but it's very possible. The same thing applies with tomatoes. You want to rinse them just a little bit, but I would just use a spray bottle and I'd mist them. I wouldn't try to wash them. I'd mist them just a little bit and then pull the seeds away from the big chunks because you don't want to have any residue that's really stuck on those seeds. But you need to learn how to do that. And the best way to learn how to do that is through going on the internet or going to your public library. Or if you have a county agent as far as an agricultural agent. In Nebraska, they're called extension agents. You can get all sorts of pamphlets for free. And I would do that as well. You're going to have to become an expert at survival. And to become an expert at survival, you need to understand that you you have to eat, you have to sleep in a safe place, you have to be comfortable, you can't be stressed out all the time. There are so many little things that go into surviving. Now, I'm not really big on survival without thriving. I think we all need to thrive. And if all we do is just hang on and survive, well, life is going to get pretty tedious, I do believe. So I think it's best for all of us to try to learn as much as we can so we can thrive. We can let the survivalists survive. We want to be thrivists. Now, are we going to thrive in hard times? Probably not. But if we at least try to thrive, I think that our standard of living will actually be above those that just want to survive. I hope you understand what I'm trying to say here. Because I don't think anyone is going to have a picnic when it comes to survival. I know that we're already seeing things and hearing things that we don't want to see or hear. But it's being done so incrementally and they're turning up the heat very gradually. Again, like cooking the frog. As far as society is concerned, it's at a boiling point. But here we are, just a happy old frog sitting in our pan getting boiled. And I jumped out of the pan a long time ago. 
And I hope that you jump out of the pan too. Because it's time to abandon the world system we have now. It's broken. It's corrupt. It's non-fixable. Other than by intervention by God himself. Mankind is not going to save what mankind has absolutely destroyed. It's not happening. I wish it were so, but it's not going to happen. So what's our alternative? The alternative that I see is, first and foremost, become a citizen of the kingdom of God. That's the only thing that's going to last. That's the only thing that is worthwhile. That's the only thing that's real. You may not think it's real, but if you don't, I feel sorry for you, because it's very real. And the second thing that we can do is to self-improve, become the best that we possibly can be at everything that we do, become an expert at living life. Things that we could take for granted just ten years ago, we no longer can take for granted. As a matter of fact, a lot of things that were good that were happening ten years ago don't exist anymore. It seems like that we are in a meat grinder as far as society is concerned. And I'm out here in the sticks, in flyover country, but yet all the fads from both coasts are hitting here. As I go to town and do my business, I can't help but run into people as far as cashiers and people that are waiting on me. And over this last two weeks, it's been a whole bunch of young women that have military-style haircuts, as far as a traditional male military haircut. They're almost as bald as a potato. And these young women are all tattooed, and they wear strange color of makeup, and their fingernails are painted strange. And We just have a whole bunch of people that are copying what they're seeing, and for some reason they think it makes a statement. I don't know if they're trying to tell people they're gay. I don't know whether they're trying to tell people that they're trans. I don't know what they're trying to tell people. But it's a turnoff, and we have that going on all over the place. And as we see these things, we are normalizing them in our mind. There's, oh, there's another one. Now, how are we supposed to treat these people? We need to treat them with the same respect that we treat all human beings. We shouldn't single anybody out for being different or treat anybody any worse. But the way I handle it, I just don't do business with people that hire those kind of people. I think it shows very poor business judgment. And it's fine to give these people a job. I have no problem with them working or having a job, doing anything they want to do. I have no problem with it as far as trying to hold them down. But I also have no problem with me not supporting that. I don't believe in that kind of societal decay. And I'm not going to promote it and I'm not going to support it. So I will support businesses that have what I consider run-of-the-mill average Americans that are just out trying to raise a family, because most of these people that are dressed that way or have their hair shaved or what have you, they're not raising a family. And the business next door might have employees that are raising families. And that's where my money's going to go. I would rather support young families than support young people that are socially confused. And yes, you can call me a phobe or whatever you want to call me, but I'm not a hypocrite. I don't believe in supporting businesses that support the destruction of my country. 
through the decline of our culture. And if you would think about that for a few minutes, I think you'll understand exactly what I'm trying to say, is that I'm trying to support what I believe in, and I'm not going to support what I don't believe in. One of the best ways that I can see to thrive in hard times is to be prepared, of course, with enough food and water and clothing and personal protection and everything you need. But I also think you need to have peace of mind. I know several shows I've been talking about living your own life and being yourself and being the person that God created you to be. And I'm going to touch on that again this show. It's very important that we turn the television off, turn the computer off, throw the newspaper in the trash, and pay attention to your family, pay attention to your house, pay attention to your yard, your car, pay attention to you and your surroundings. Keep yourself strong mentally, spiritually, physically, financially, every which way that you can keep yourself strong. And that will keep your stress level down, and that will keep you very much stronger. Now you're strong enough to help other people in your family, friends, neighbors, people in your community. If you're not strong and you're stressed out, there's really not a whole lot you can do to help others. And I do believe God put us on this earth to be a light, a beacon. And I think the only way we can be a beacon is to be really bright. And the only way we can be really bright is to not be stressed out, to be as well-rested as we can, to have our mind clean and clear. And in this day and age, that's really hard to do. I struggle with that all the time. I do catch myself from time to time just thinking of all the problems and It gets overwhelming. It really does. And then when I add my personal problems with me losing parts to a hay rake or having a chain break on my motorized bike or something like that, then that can actually expand my feelings of frustration because all of this frustration is out there in the world right now. The frustration of politics and culture and wars and corruption and And it's out there right now, and it's out there in force. And I'm not going to tell everybody to go out and join a church. But I do think that we need to find like-minded people that we can fellowship with. There's a lady that I'm putting up her hay, and she's a very strong Christian, and I do believe she's part of the remnant. And every time I go over and put up hay, she'll come out and, and share a few things with me for, oh, five or ten minutes. And it's all positive, it's all godly, and I can say that she 100% gets it. She truly is a citizen of the kingdom of God. And so it's people like that that we need to fellowship with. People that think like we do. People that God is using in the same way that he's using us. We need to understand that there's more out there than just us. There's more people out there that think like us, that are trying to do what we're doing. And we need to connect with them, because there is safety in numbers, and also, it'll shore up our foundation. And if we do get a little frustrated or discouraged, well, it's good to know that there's others out there that are going through the same thing we are. And it's good just to talk. It's also great to have good friends, good fellowship. I do know that now is the time for us to really think about everything that's happening socially. And we need to take our social life 
in the direction we want to take it, not in the direction that some corrupt government or some corrupt person on television or some perverted people that's marching in a parade. We need to get away from that. We need to put that out of our mind. Of course, we know it exists and we think about it from time to time, but we need to concentrate on the good. Concentrate on the good things that God has given you. Concentrate on the good things that God is doing in your life. And you'll start finding an inner peace and an inner joy. And once you start connecting with that inner peace and that inner joy, then you'll not only want to help others, you'll be extremely effective in helping others. I've talked an awful lot about saving food and foraging and saving water and all the things that are physical. I've talked about that. And I've talked about the spiritual as far as getting right with God. But as far as social, I've just touched on it briefly about every other show. I'll have a sentence or two. But I want you to really look at your social group of friends. Do they really fit? Just because you've been friends with someone for 50 years doesn't mean that you're like-minded. I'm not trying to say get rid of all your friends. Don't think that that's what I'm trying to say. But start spending time with people that actually are your friends. Maybe they haven't been your friends just for a month or two, maybe a week, maybe a day. But you know when you're connecting and when you're not connecting. Use your best judgment, use your common sense. And when you're connecting with someone, don't be afraid to connect with them. Of course, in all interactions, you have to use caution until you really know what that person's motives are. But I'm talking about really connecting to where you understand that they're good people and that they're not out to harm you in any way, shape, or form. And let's not forget the con artists that are under every rock right now. There's more robocall scams and scams on the internet than you can shake a stick at. And if you find these people in a church or in your church, that's great. But don't limit yourself to just people that are in your church. Because it's my personal experience is that there are people that are in a church for reasons other than worshiping God. I'm not saying the people that attend your church are that way, but I've seen people that attend a church for social status, to try to boost their business, to do other things. They're working at cross-purposes. And now is not the time to work at cross-purposes. We have to be very focused. And we have to focus on where our lifeline is coming from, and that is Almighty God. And if we keep our focus there, plus we try to do self-improvement things as far as growing ourselves mentally and physically and spiritually, if we can do that, then we're going to have a much better chance of thriving instead of just surviving. I know that a lot of people out in the public see people who are survivalists as greedy, as people that just want to survive at all costs, and they think they're too important to have a situation end up killing them or ruining their life somehow. There are people that look at survivalists and say, well, who do they think they are? They think they're important. Well, those people that have those kind of feelings towards survivalists need to understand something. The people that are survivalists don't necessarily want to survive just to say they survived. They want to survive because they feel like that there's something on the other side that they need to do. If you've never looked at it that way, it's time to start. 
The only reason that I would want to survive any catastrophe that is coming up, other than watching my family grow, which I do enjoy. But as far as me personally, the only reason I would want to survive is so I could be a help in rebuilding, where I could be useful on the other side of this mess. Because this too shall pass. This crazy, insane, satanic world is going to pass away. The Bible speaks of a new heaven and a new earth. That is going to happen. And I would love to see a new heaven and a new earth. I don't know what God has in store for me in the future. I just have to keep listening for God and be obedient. That's my job, is to be obedient to what God tells me. But I do know this. All of these politicians that have all of these multi-billion dollar bunkers all over the world that are going to cause a horrible event, whether it be an economic failure or a world war or whatever is going to happen, they're going to go into their bunkers thinking they're going to come out on the other side unscathed and in power. And I know that Hal Turner has talked about this, and this is something I totally agree with him on, that these people that cause all this mess should not be in power at the other end of this. Should they survive? They should not survive with their power intact. They need to be stripped of their power because of all of the damage they've done and all the corruption. Could you imagine Joe Biden and Nancy Pelosi and Mitch McConnell and and Lindsey Graham and people like that building our future? I certainly can't. I would much rather have people that had the spirit of Daniel Boone and the spirit of Lewis and Clark and all of our explorers and pioneers. I would much rather have people that had that mindset other than these corrupt politicians. And if you look at most survivalists, most survivalists do have some of that early pioneer spirit. A lot of survivalists go out and homestead and they just live off the land and they do what their great-grandparents did. And those are the kind of people that we need to survive. These survivalists need to survive because they're the only people that can rebuild and rebuild everything to where it's more solid, less corrupt, and more real. And so even if you're not a survivalist, understand that survivalists, for the most part, are not elitists. They're just people that want to be on the other side to rebuild. The last thing I'm going to mention today is artificial intelligence. There's a pickup truck that's near a field that I'm putting up hay, and he took some shoe polish and wrote on his back window of his pickup truck, Don't Trust AI. And I passed that place today with my tractor, and as I was driving past, I looked over and saw that. Do not trust AI. And my first thought was, well, there's someone that gets it. And I wish everyone thought like this person. Because artificial intelligence is being used for all sorts of nefarious things. Now, a lot of farmers are really happy with the brand new technology. And I do understand. And I know I have some farmers that listen to the show. And yes, I do understand. I understand what the bank needs. I I know what your profitability has to be. I know what your yield has to be. I get it. I understand. But I also understand that all of this GPS mapping of your fields that can really come in handy. I do understand how handy that can be. 
but your fields are being mapped. All of the fields are being mapped worldwide. It doesn't take a great bunch of imagination to come up with the idea that possibly after you're gone, maybe you're run out of business, maybe your time on earth is done, but somewhere down the road, all of this GPS mapping that's taking place worldwide of all the croplands is going to be used for automatic tractors and automatic implements. There's not going to be anybody that owns the land. There's not going to be any family farms. Just some mega corporations that own all of the food production and all this mapping and all the things that farmers are doing right now in the long run is going to help this entity that is going to eventually take over all of our food. For years, they've used oil as a weapon. Now we're seeing food being used for a weapon, and we're seeing all of our small companies, as far as agricultural companies, most of them are in trouble or they've closed, or they've been bought out by the big corporations. And there are just a handful of big corporations that own everything. And the reason I'm bringing this up is that we are losing choices because of everything becoming too big and controlled by too few people. The corporations are definitely controlling way too much of what we see, what we hear, what we eat, what we think, what we wear. And that's why I like to support the small businesses and support the small companies. That's just personal choice that I have, and I hope that you will at least consider that. But getting back to the artificial intelligence. Yes, it can be good, like I said earlier. But the people who are in charge of the world governments right now do not have your best interests or my best interests in mind. That is something that I definitely feel is true. Well, I hope you got something from today's show. I do appreciate you tuning in. And thank you to all who have sent me cards and letters. I do have some letters I need to write, and I need to buckle down and do that. I do want to say this before I sign off. The podcast sites are getting strange. I know that Anchor was bought out or taken over by Spotify, and they immediately red flagged me because I, because I don't think men can have babies. And I have a lot of subscribers on a site called PodPage. But PodPage is going to do away with their free part of their site. And that's how I signed up. I did not sign up as a pro podcast. And the reason that I don't sign up as a pro podcaster is the fact that it costs so much to buy airtime on the radio stations that I have to offset that with my podcasting sites being free. Because if I had to pay every service to have my podcast on their platform, then the entire show would be in jeopardy. And so as a business plan, I'm going to stay with only the podcast sites that have the free option. Now, if donations would really pick up, and I hear from podcasters as far as donations, then I can go ahead and sign up as a pro podcaster. But the vast majority of people that donate to this program are shortwave listeners. Primarily a shortwave program. And the podcasting is a very vital part of the show, but it's not my main focus. And so everyone that hears this on PodPage, you're not going to be able to access my site 
within the next week or so. It's just going to disappear. It's still going to be there, but you can't access it. So I would ask that you look for my show on other podcast sites. I know I'm on Apple Podcast. I know that I'm on a lot of podcast sites that I don't even know that I'm on. To be honest with you, I get emails all the time saying, don't you know that you're on such and such? And I no, I didn't sign up with them. But a lot of these podcasting places are picking the show up. And so just because I disappear off of pod page doesn't mean that I'm not in a podcast anymore. I highly recommend everybody that goes to pod page, go to pod point. I highly recommend that. And another thing about pod point, I want everyone to know. If you listen to this show on PodPoint, there is an option for you to download this show. All the time I get people writing me letters and emails asking, how can I download your show? Go to PodPoint, not PodPage, PodPoint, and click on the episode. When that page comes up, it'll give you some options. And one of the options is download this episode. You can download every one of my episodes through PodPoint. Another podcast site that I use a lot is Spreaker. But Spreaker only allows me to have five programs up at a time. And so you can't get all the episodes. And also Red Circle. I would highly recommend you go to Red Circle for my podcast. But if I was going to send you to one spot, it would be PodPoint. And I would hate to lose any of my podcast listeners because of decisions made at the corporate level at the podcasting site. But I do appreciate you listening to podcasts, and I appreciate all of my shortwave listeners as well. I would ask that you consider donating to this program. Due to the economy, donations are down a bit, so I would really love to hear from you. I take checks, money orders, and cash. You would write the check out to Thunderbolt West Media. You would mail to Thunderbolt West Media, P.O. Box 163, P.O. Box 163, Hershey, Nebraska. That's Hershey, Nebraska. The zip code is 69143. But I really appreciate you listening this week. And until next time, everyone, stay strong. Stay positive. Stay teachable. Keep your powder dry. But most important of all, replace fear with faith. This is Jim Calhoun with the Living Off Grid Power and Information Show. The song Step Out on the Sea is performed by Brit Small and Festival. Thank you for listening to Thunderbolt West Media.